Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to Cabin Devils. My name is David, and once again, we are joined by Dr. John. I'm not counting how many times Dr. John has been with us, but if um, to estimate, I think this must be the 10th episode with Dr. John put together. And uh, I've been looking forward to this today. Um, Why? Because... I mean, we all fight this battle, we all want to win, we all want to be the best, at least the best version of ourselves uh, with God. Let me take a minute right now to welcome my favorite listeners who have joined in today. We have Florence Nobot, we have Mukisa Ivan is here. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence, Ivan. It's great to see you. And uh, we can see here we have Sandra, I hope I pronounced that very well, your pista. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. You're welcome. Uh, Let me see who else. Peterson, I think this is my Kenyan friend who's also here. Thank you. Thank you. And we do have Bosco, Heart of Worship International. Mr. Bosco, you're welcome to Cabin Devils. Great, great to have you. Now, if you saw the text that I sent together with a poster, let me read it for you Um, just to... Uh, just just review some of these things uh, and, and just think about what uh, all of this means. It's interesting that there's a very thin line between the flesh and understanding that we struggle and also choosing to live in sin. And, and that can be difficult, really, really difficult uh, to be able to draw that line. Why? Because there's a tendency in which when someone learns the discipline of living right, they want to help others uh, walk the same path, but pride is not far. Pride is not far. And the Bible says pride comes just before a fall. And so many of us are stuck in that loop. Just when you're mastering the discipline of living right, you fall. We do not know why. No wonder the question we asked in our first episode with Dr. John on this matter concerning the flesh was, do you struggle? Do you struggle? And I mean, we all do. We all do. But the question is, how do we overcome? Does the statement, we all do struggle, give us permission, therefore, to go on living in sin? I think I love the way Paul put it. He says, no way. And in thinking Luganda, not sure. I've had preachers say this, that in Luganda, it means chikafuwe. May it never be. May it never be. This is going to be an awesome night. Please go ahead and tap the share button. And let your friends know that we are live. Post in your status for WhatsApp. Let them know that there's a very awesome podcast called Cabin Devils and that we are live right now, that they should tune in. This is what I posted today together with the post. And I, I, I quoted Piper's words when he said, if you say to yourself concerning the flesh, well, I have a lot of that still left in me. It does not necessarily mean you aren't a Christian. A Christian is a person who experiences, sorry, a Christian is not a person who experiences bad desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with those desires by the power of the spirit. That's interesting. One who is at war with those desires by the power of the spirit. Again, we've not come to the end whether this Christian is winning or losing. 
But those who have subscribed to receive Cabin Devo's emails also got a very, very awesome article in their inbox. And by the way, I would want to remind you to visit cabindevos.com and click the subscribe button there so you can receive updates and uh, more articles and more content from Cabin Devos. We do more than the live podcast in as much as we are your number one live podcast. And this is what these guys got in the inbox. I got a quote here from John Bloom and his article, Die to your flesh and leave. And this is what he said. This is interesting. It's quite a mouthful, but I think it's interesting. He, he best explains it. He says, it's a paradox that we often experience the weaknesses of our flesh in the strength of its sinful cravings and compulsions. It's maddening because our flesh frequently demands to think or do things other than what we should be thinking or doing at the moment. Now, these range from mildly distracting or disturbing to disturbingly dark. They range from mildly distracting to disturbingly dark. And he gives a couple of examples. He says, when, like the disciples, we should be watching and praying, our flesh really wants to sleep. Hmm. When we should be sleeping, our flesh finds Facebook browsing fascinating. That is the flesh versus the spirit. And then it says, when we should be diligently teaching our children, our flesh would love to watch a relaxing, even family-friendly movie. I don't know if you identify with some of these struggles. But the other one he mentioned, he says, when we should be meditating on scripture, our flesh becomes a fountain of ideas for reorganizing the room and improving the yard or critiquing the political candidate, we find other things to do. We should be focusing on our work. Our flesh brings up the focus dominating fear. When we should be cutting our calories, our flesh demands a sugar-laced snack we know we should be losing weight, but our flesh is saying, no, 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 eat some chips, eat some chips. When we should be eating because we've become undernourished due to believing lies about our weight loss to our value, our flesh screams shame-filled things to stop us. We should be relinquishing the joy and freedom of sexual purity and fidelity our flesh desires to imagine or viewing defiling lewd images. That is the flesh versus the spirit. The struggle goes on. And I think this is one of the best descriptions of what goes on inside us. I mean, it's one of the best that I think I've read. But Dr. John, I, I need to ask a question. And, and this is the first question I asked. And I'm going to ask another question related to the first question I asked in the previous episode. Why does this stuff go on and off? One day we are on, the other day we are off. Why? I mean, give us the brief version, <laughs> if you can, Dr. John. Thank you, David. And, uh, and I thank you, actually, for that uh, clip from John Bloom. I don't know if you remember, but back in May, when we did this session on the heart, you referenced a book that John Bloom had written, and the book was called Don't Follow Your Heart. And you asked me a, a question that John Bloom had written, and I said, it sounds like that what John Bloom is talking about is the flesh. And, uh, and, and this, I'm happy to see that what he's writing here 
is the, that's the understanding that I have is that your flesh is that part of you. It is the remnant of the old man uh, that remains after you're born again. So the flesh is the part of your human makeup, your human nature that uh, wars against God uh, naturally. And and I think, um, you know, it's important for us to understand that it's, that's normal. It's not... Uh, it's not abnormal. And in fact, if a Christian, if someone claims to be a Christian and they don't have this kind of a war going on in them, I question whether or not they really have experienced the new birth. Because once the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, you will have this experience that Paul describes in Romans 7.15. Paul says this, he says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And he uses that term that we talked about Monday for, for sarks. I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And then Paul uh, ends uh, this part of the, the, the section there in Romans 7 in verse 20. He says, now if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And it's, uh, you know, whenever we read this, and I think uh, some of it is that it's translated from the Greek into the English, and so it gets a little bit difficult to understand, and it almost sounds like Paul is, is, is copping out here, that he's basically saying, you know, yeah, when I do these things, it's not really me that's doing it, it's kind of the devil made me do it. And he's not saying that. If you read on a little farther in, in verse uh, 21 of Romans 7, he says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, and I would, I would submit to you that that inner being part of Paul's talking about is his heart. So he delights in his heart in the law of God, but he sees, but he says, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And there he uses that term again, the word sarks. And, and that's the key as we, I mentioned to you that in Romans 8, where we'll, where we'll be jumping off, it's this term for the remnant 
of the old man, the nature of, of us that still is sinful, uh, that is, is translated in the NIV as the sinful nature, is the flesh. And that's the part of us that Paul says, hey, we've got to be on guard against this part of us. Because if we give in to what this part of us wants to do, then we will be giving in to sin. And, uh, and David, I, I, just, I, I, I want to just take a moment to express to all of our listeners um, my uh, sadness about um, just hearing what's going on in your part of the world uh, now and just how, how horrible uh, what has happened there in your capital um, is. And it, and it, to me, is that is human flesh kind of at its peak. There, there's no check from God on, on you know, terrorists uh, blowing themselves up just to kill other people and, and to harm other people and to, and to you know, uh, create chaos. And to me, I think that, that as a follower of Christ, we have to recognize that that level of evil is present in human beings. And that's what we're warring against. We're going against that in our war in the spirit in Christ. You know, every time I read the passage you just read with Paul's struggles, uh, Dr. John, I, I feel like, like you said in the English version, it, it kind of wants to give you the impression that Paul is waving the white flag and saying, I surrender, I give up. There's not much I can do about this. And therefore, let's just go ahead and accept the facts. And it's interesting that you mentioned that it's not that. And when you read it today, I, I had never seen this, but I may be wrong about it. I don't know. But only if you see the same thing. And this is what I saw today, that... In essence, Paul is saying, when I want to do good, sin is right there present. And when I think about our Christian walk, I've, even as a child, I've always dreamed or wanted a scenario or an environment um, or a life where I do not have to struggle with sin. But Paul is reminding me when, that when I have the option to do good, to live right, I also have to remember that at that very moment where I have to choose to do right, there's a choice to do wrong, that there's always an option. And so the, the desire to do right is always bombarded by this. You could take a shortcut. You could do wrong. You can just relax. You don't have to do it. And this is, I think, a reminder that at, le at least not on this part of the world, that there's always we're always inclined um, we, are, we are standing on this hill and gravity naturally is pulling us to do the wrong thing. Let's always remember that when we want to do the right thing, there is always an option to do wrong, but let us choose to do right. And for me, I don't know. It sounds obvious, but I don't think it had ever come to me uh, that way. So this is, this is good. This is really interesting. I love, I love our discussion today. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for bringing it out. And again, once again, I know I have a friend who lost an uncle. Uh, in the blast uh, yesterday, but I would like to just pray that each one of us listening in today uh, is okay. And if you lost someone, if your relative is injured, 
we would like to pray for you. Um, you can send me a WhatsApp privately uh, or just let us know in the chat so we can be able to pray for you. We'll take a minute, uh, the, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to just pray uh, for the families that were affected by yesterday's incidents. But once again, let me thank you so much uh, for joining us. I do not take your presence for granted. Thank you so much for choosing uh, to be with us. If you're in Uganda, you know that at this time, exactly nine o'clock, there's a nine o'clock news, NTV Live, but I'm glad you chose to be here. Thank you. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Dr. John, here is my second question. And then maybe after which I'll play for us our song for today. And this question is picking it up from Monday's episode. Um, why? Because on a post that I posted today, our theme verse is Titus 2.11. And, you know, I was thinking about this question. I was thinking to myself, I should have sent it to him so he can fully prepare. Then I remembered he's a doctor and uh, he knows most of this stuff. So... <laughs> I don't think it will be difficult. But Titus 2.11, Dr. John says, For the grace of God has appeared, and I'm quoting from the NIV, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, let me just take a detour right here. It's not, it may not have anything to do with what we're discussing today, but if anyone ever questions on whether God, I mean, Christ Jesus is God, right there is a verse that you can be able to quote for them, especially at the end when it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. But this is our discussion for today. Question for you, Dr. John, based on that verse, what is the relationship between grace and godly living? This is why I ask this question. From the previous episode, when I asked you about your struggles, there's a temptation to think that just because we struggle, it is understandable to live in sin. But from what I see in Titus, it sounds like, and I may be wrong, please correct me, it sounds like that this grace of God that has appeared to all men, it doesn't just give us, it doesn't give us a license to sin. It does not give us a license to sin, but it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. But Dr. John, what are your thoughts on Titus 2.11? Thank you, David. Uh, yes, I and I and I pulled that up to to take a look. I think that what Paul is writing to Titus here is is talking about what happens to initiate the sequence in a person whereby the Holy Spirit will indwell them. So in verse uh, eleven of Titus two, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So so this is the invitation. So now God comes in, and then it's that spirit of God within that that invites us then or teaches us to say no to the world. So the 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 point is that without God's grace, without the uh, salvation without the um, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we don't have the capacity 
to say no to ungodliness, to say no to worldly passions. And so the whole idea of trying to live an upright life, if we're, if we're talking about the flesh, is impossible for somebody apart from the grace of God. So, so in a way, and this is part of the problem that we have sometimes in the church, if someone has become uh, a regular attender and they're at the church and they're kind of seeing people doing uh, righteous acts and all that, then in their mind, they might be thinking that doing good and saying no to passions and that sort of thing and living in a, in a rigid, controlled life, that that might be what Christianity is. And what Paul is saying here, and I think what we have to, to be very clear about is um, it's, it's being born again that then allows us to open our eyes and, and rather than, um, you know, fight fire with fire, so to speak, uh, and really to, to go after people uh, who are against us and trying to kill us and trying to harm us and so forth, we can actually pray for those who persecute us. We can actually love our enemies. And that's the point that, that you know, when Jesus came and he absolutely had this kind of attitude, is, is rather than creating a, a time uh, where, you know, where it's going to be all through force, um, God's purposes in the world are going to be fulfilled through grace and through a laying down of our lives for the, you know, for the world. And I think that's really what uh, Titus uh, is being taught here by Paul, that he says, um, you know, we live this way in this present age, um, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. So what Paul is talking about here is the second coming of Christ. So when he comes, he will then make everything right. And in the interim, we live to point others to him. Amen. Amen. And uh, maybe just as a quick reminder for most of us who might have learned um, the discipline uh, of godliness in some areas while we wait to learn in other areas, let's remember that all of this is by God's grace. And I want to quote the words of Tim Keller when he said, no one has been saved by grace. We'll look at another with superiority. Please let's remember that, that in our maturity as Christians, let's not look down on those who are growing in areas we have already grown in. You're living that way just because of God's grace. There's nothing you did. There's nothing you did. In as much as, yes, you lived in obedience, may that be a reminder. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a quick uh, two minutes to listen to just one song here by Toby Mack, and we'll be back shortly. Music that will warm your heart towards God. Good God Music that will encourage your soul. When I'm up, when I'm down. And help you appreciate what God has done. This is amazing grace. Now, today's music. Last night put the heavy on me. Woke up and I'm feeling lonely. This world got a way of showing me. Show 
was a reminder that we need him we need him great reminder i just need you by toby mark let me ask you to welcome a friend to cabin devils who you can recognize i saw someone here called mama africa sorry african mama i don't know who that is but you are welcome i think i can recognize that picture of that beautiful couple there but jp thank you so much for being here trina once again you're welcome andy Thank you so much for sharing Cabin Devils with friends and uh, Faith Nanduzu again. Great, great, great to have you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, at this point in time, I'd like us to welcome Dr. John so he can share with us from Gold's Word uninterrupted. And if you have any questions, please type them in the chat and I'm sure Dr. John will answer them. Let's pray together and then Dr. John will share from God's Word. Heavenly Father, we come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts um, for the good that you do. And Lord, when evil happens around us, we still want to have our confidence in you. And because the psalmist, uh, just like the song has said that we've just listened to, that when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff comforts us. And Lord, we pray that we rely and trust in your protection and uh, and the truth of your word. When we have doubts, when we have struggles, may we turn to you always. And today we turn to you for answers. We turn to you for encouragement. We turn to you for comfort. And Lord, we want to commit Dr. John into your hands as he opens your word. Give us a heart of flesh and remove a heart of stone. And if there be anyone with us here who maybe is doubting your saving grace, that tonight they will receive you as Savior. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. John, you're welcome. Thank you, David. And uh, it's great to be with you guys again. 
Um, what I want to do, and, I, and for some of you, I, I gave you an assignment kind of the end of Monday. I said, we're going to be looking in Romans 8. But as I often like to do, I'm going to start us tonight in the Old Testament. Because uh, as, you, as I mentioned to you before, uh, the term that we're considering, the words that we're considering are the terms for our flesh, our body, the, the physical part of the human being. And I think it's really important that we understand that in the way that God talks about it before we talk about what it is to discipline our flesh. Um, Psalm 90 is, is one of my favorite uh, psalms. And, uh, and I, don't, I didn't know it until just a couple of years ago when I was studying this passage to teach it. Um, psalm 90 is actually a psalm that is a prayer from Moses. And, uh, and David wrote quite a few of the psalms. Other uh, psalmist writers are, are, are uh, uh, common. But, if, but Moses, this is the only psalm that's attributed to Moses. And it says, uh, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. It starts out in Psalm 90, verse 1. Uh, Moses says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And, and what's interesting is there's a contrast between God and his eternality to the temporal nature, the short lifespan of man. I want to slip down to verse 8 and just pick it up there where Moses says this, you've placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence, for all our days have declined in your fury. We've finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. And so what I'm, what I'm focusing on here really is this notion that, that Moses contrasts this nature of God, which is from everlasting to everlasting. So if you had to put God on a timeline, he would start in eternity past and he would go into eternity future. And for us, down in verse 10, he says, as for the days of our life, they shall contain 70 years or if due to strength, 80 years. And, and the interesting thing is that human beings are bound by time. That's one of the important characteristics of our flesh, of our bodies, of our beings. We're also bound by space. And so even though I'm here in Florida and it's daytime and I'm speaking to you on the phone from my home, you guys are in Africa in a different time zone, in a different place, and it's dark over there. And, and we're eternal spiritual beings, but we're being housed in a temporary 
physical space called our body. And our bodies require oxygen to breathe, food to eat, and water to drink. And we also are required, we have to have sleep, and then other different aspects of what we need to survive in these bodies, uh, or what's called basar in the Old Testament. So what's interesting is that God made us to exist in these uh, temporary beings, okay? In the, in the New Testament, it's even referenced, Paul references it as a tent. It's a temporary dwelling place compared to what our future eternal dwelling place will be. And what's interesting to me is that in, in Psalm 910, um, Moses puts a timeline right on it. He says 70 uh, to 80 years. I know that in some parts of the world, it's a little shorter than that. In other parts of the world, it may be a little longer than that. I think in Japan, they're, they're like the longest uh, average lifespan is about 84 years if you live in Japan. Uh, interestingly, what's happening here in the United States is that our average lifespan, which was about 78 years, is now on the decline. And some of that is related to COVID, but a big part of it in the United States is related to an epidemic of obesity. And so we've got, and I see it very commonly, I saw many, many patients today uh, suffering from this epidemic of just being overweight. Uh, and in fact, uh, we're planned, I think, by the year 2030, if things keep going in the same direction that they're going in the United States, 50% of the population, half of the people in the United States will be obese. And so sadly, and even in the church, this is a problem. This is a big problem uh, that, that we, we don't often uh, talk about enough uh, that, that, you know, is taking its toll on people. When you look at the, the recent uh, COVID deaths here in the United States, a disproportionate number of people who died with COVID were uh, in that kind of category of obesity. And what's interesting to me as I read back in Psalm uh, 90, verse 9, he says, we finished our years like a sigh. And I think what, what um, Moses is talking about, and, and the writer here in the psalm uh, remembering Moses' prayer is saying, is that we all have this experience where we start to decline. And, and it's this kind of declining experience that, that occurs over a period of time, the time of our physical life. You remember back uh, when we talked about um, the, the soul and the heart and the existence of the human being. We read in Psalm 139, verse 16 says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. So I believe that, that God's word teaches that God's design is you have a day that you're going to be born, there's a day that you're going to die, and that in between those times, then you have this earthly existence in the flesh, in the tent. Oswald Chambers says it's this way. He says, it is in the middle that human choices are made. 
the beginning and the end remain with God. The decrees of God are birth and death, and in between those limits, man makes his own distress or joy. And that's from Oswald's writing called Shade of His Hand. And the thing that's interesting is we all age at the same rate, 24 hours per day, seven days per week, 365 days per year. But what's interesting to me is the common experience of the passage of time in the flesh is that it accelerates as one ages. So in other words, the older you get, the faster it seems to go. Last week, I had uh, lunch with two ladies who were both 101 years old. Now, these are patients of mine that I've taken care of for about 20 years. They have good genes. Uh, they've done a good job taking care of their bodies. And they were both getting a little bit depressed because um, their friends were all dying and or had died years ago. And both of these ladies and I, and I kind of mentioned, I said, you know, uh, what's interesting is I have another lady who's 120 or who's, who's not 120, 101. And I ask each of them independently, would you like to meet another 101 year old? And both of them said yes. And so we had a delightful lunch last Thursday in the, uh, in the office with these, uh, two women who'd been alive since I guess, what's that, uh, 1920, uh, uh, yeah, 19, 1919, I guess it was, was when their birthdays are. So anyway, um, as you age from birth to age 20, your body increases, your height increases, and then it stops at age 20. From age 25 to 35, your muscle mass and your bone density increases and then stops. And so we get to this point where by the age of 30, you are no longer getting stronger, faster, or more agile. Your metabolism slows. And if you continue eating like you did in your 20s, you will start to gain excess weight. By age 40, you actually begin to naturally lose muscle mass even if you remain active and exercise. So the usual result is that even if you eat the same amount and exercise the same, your fat stores increase and your muscle mass and your bone mass decrease at about 1% per year. Now that doesn't seem to be a lot, but by age 60, which is where I am now, you've lost about 20 to 25% of your muscle mass and you will continue to lose it every year afterwards. So aging isn't curable. This, this tent that we're given, this temporary dwelling, the flesh, the body, the best that you can do is to recognize and take care of your body. What's interesting, and again, I'm going to quote a psalm, uh, and this is 103 verse 8, uh, and, and down below, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger for forever. Uh, 
He's not dwelt with us according to our needs, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And verse 14, I love this. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And that's an allusion, of course, in Psalm 103, verse 14. That's an allusion to the creation of man back in Genesis 2-7. When we talked about this before, when a living nephesh, when a living soul, the soul of Adam was made, God formed Adam from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so, at, at its face value, our makeup, our nature is dust, uh, but we're, we're filled with this spirit of God, this nature of God that's made us a soul. So in Psalm 103, as uh, the psalmist goes on, it says this, as for man, his days are like grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do, to do them. So the key thing here is that flesh-related changes are determined in part by the choices that I make, okay? God is from everlasting to everlasting. He doesn't change over time. We do. That's what Psalm 90 and Psalm 103 say. And this is going back to Psalm 90. I love uh, this statement in Psalm 90, verse 12, where Moses says this, so teach us, to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. And so the key thing, and, and what I'm constantly talking to people about with regard to their heart health, and I call these heart healthy habits, I talk to them about keeping their activities up and keeping their weight down. And what that requires is what we call discipline. So discipline is the key to kind of succeeding against the flesh and against this, this deterioration that is inevitable. Hebrews 12, 11 says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So no discipline. And what, what Paul is, uh, or what the writer of Hebrews is talking about there is, is also the notion that, that if we have to, you know, discipline ourselves, there's going to be some pain in it, but there's going to be a reward. There's going to be righteousness that comes out of it. Paul writes to, to Timothy 
in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he says, discipline or train yourself to be godly. And then he tells Timothy in verse 8 of, of 1 Timothy 4, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So the notion that Paul is, is conveying to Timothy there is that you have to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And so discipline is not just physical, but discipline is spiritual. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul talks about this, and I love this. He uses the race running analogy. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And what Paul is talking about here is that the Christian life to him is about disciplining himself, both physically, but also spiritually for the purpose of godliness. And again, in 2 Timothy, Paul writes this, for the spirit of God gave us a, a spirit not of timidity or, or timidness, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And what Paul is talking about is this isn't something that your pastor does or your spouse does or your friends do or that David does, but it's something that every one of us disciplines ourself. And that gets back to the notion that we talked about Monday, where flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, um, nor the perishable inheriting the imperishable. And the question then comes to this, how does the perishable flesh then become the imperishable spirit? And this goes back to that second key passage that I talked about, and I want to read the whole thing of Romans 8. So this gets back to the answer to the question of how do we win against the flesh. Paul says this in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the Spirit. For those, uh, sorry, 
the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For indeed, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. It cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And verse 12 and 13 is the, is the crowning uh, verses. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And this is where I believe uh, Paul, when he writes to Galatians, the Galatians, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And David, the, the summary of all this is, is this, our bodies our flesh is temporal. It's, it's bound by time. It's bound by space, location. And it's also bound by the cumulative effects of life and sin on us. However, our bodies can be disciplined. And the real key is that as we discipline our bodies, we get into this abiding relationship with Jesus. If we abide in him, then it's his flesh, which we live in. That's a sinless, perfect flesh. It's not our flesh, the sins that John Bloom uh, mentioned. It's us living in the spirit. And so when we talk Friday, we'll talk about how the victory actually occurs in our lives when Christ lives in and through us. Thank you. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Dr. John. It's interesting um, how Psalm 90, for me, just, that's where you left me, I must say. Um, because, I mean, these very common verses, when you look at them in relation to um, what we've been looking at today in terms of how life is temporal, it, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. And I love the crowning verse that you just read for us there, Galatians 2.20. I think we began with this on Monday in some of the statements I, I did mention there when it says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, this is a man who persecuted the church, but now he seems to have a summary or a life's philosophy that is purely, uh, for lack of a better word, engrossed in Christ. There's nothing else he can do. 
apart uh, from Christ. Now, you did talk about um, for a long time, did emphasize um, the problem of obesity. And uh, I mean, 50%, 50% of America's population, did you say in the next 10 years, did you say 2030 or did I get you wrong? Just, just please remind us. You got me right, David. Yeah, it's 40% right now. It's 40% of the U.S. population is obese now. And by 2030, I mean, we have childhood obesity rates are incredibly high here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. now. So in 10 years, if you continue with the lifestyle, it's getting to 50%. That, that is, that is, that is difficult. But you see, Psalm 90 and verse 12, most of us know it. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And I think in realizing that the flesh is temporal, it kind of gives us a new perspective to what wisdom looks like and right living, therefore. It's interesting how time puts all of these things in perspective. And uh, you, you did quote uh, Oswald Chambers. I don't have the actual quote, uh, but I'll paraphrase it. And it's a long one, but in essence, it says it's in the middle that decisions are made. The beginning and the end are left to God. That's interesting. He decides when we are born. He decides when we die. It's in between that we make the decisions. But also the other thing you did mention here is, um, I mean, I want to, the other thing I want to bring to our attention is the world has taken Psalm 90 verse 12 to talk about how temporal this life is. And they've come up with the statement, YOLO, you only live once. You only live once. And for those of you here in Uganda who may be old enough, you remember the song, in heaven there's no beer. That's why we take it here. There's a Luganda version for it. But it seems like enjoy as much as you can right now because life is temporal. Live the way you want right now because life is temporal. Dr. John, could you just advise the Christians present here with us who might be inclined to live recklessly because life is short. I'm seeing friends, we call it the COVID body, slowly by slowly expanding. And I'm one of those. Each time I look in the mirror, I think I'm getting heavier. But advise some of us who might be here and find it difficult to get up in the morning and exercise. Maybe and another person put it this way. When you talk about reckless living, well, we don't take care of our bodies. Another person put it this way. He says they were argue, they were told to stop smoking and they argued that what is the purpose of dying with a healthy body? After all, it is going to rot. But I'm bringing out all these. Some of them might be funny to listen to, but they're people who have made life's choices based on these worthless philosophies. The fact that life is short and therefore we should live the way we want. Dr. John, any yeah. advice? Yes, David. I, I think that that is a dangerous uh, thought it is that is that, oh, I'm going to get a new body uh, anyway. And it's a it's an ill informed thought. You get your body back. That's the whole point of resurrection is is, you know, God is not about making uh, good choices for you. Um, that the idea of the resurrection of the body is that it's you. And so the choices that you make and the body that you have is the body that you will get in eternity. Now, I believe it's going to be the best body that you ever had. 
uh, and that God's going to kind of make that an eternal kind of, uh, but, but doing things that, that harm your body, I think, uh, is reckless. And it goes against this whole notion of us understanding that our body is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's God dwelling in us and it's our bodies. And this is the argument that Paul makes. Don't, don't take your body and join it to a prostitute because, you, you know, if you're a Christian, you're joining that body that is God's temple to a prostitute. And it's the same thing I would say with these other choices, you know, when you're eating, if you, if, if, and I, you know, I, so I was, thankfully, I've seen a, a bunch of Christians in my office today who've been hearing me say this, and they're going in the right direction. And it's a, it's a real encouragement. And let me, let me emphasize this, too. If somebody has made bad choices, to turn those choices around. And what will happen as your body gets healthier and healthier and healthier, if you're quitting smoking, if you're um, losing weight and getting fit, the, the spirit will shine through you brighter and brighter and brighter as your body gets healthier and healthier and healthier. And that is a common experience that I've seen um, over the years, hundreds of people, that kind of experience. Now, that is shocking news to some of us to hear that we are not getting Instagram bodies when we get to heaven. Oh my goodness. Hey, what are it right now? Well, I'm not going to get into that uh, right now. I may disappoint some people. They may stop following this podcast. In fact, before you go, let me remind you to tap the follow button so that you can get notified when we are live and also when we post new updates of uh, Cabin Devils uh, podcast. But Dr. John, thank you. Thank you so much. I think it, it does it does encourage some of us who may want to give up the discipline. And I, I'm, I'm so sorry, I never took the note for the verse that you did quote for us. I think it says something like this, uh, physical fitness is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. I think I remember trying to memorize that verse uh, when I was younger, but it's, it's, it's interesting how the Bible recognizes the fact that there is physical fitness. But of course, the same disciplines we put in to maintain physical uh, fitness should be, they should be, um, they should be applied to how we live, even spiritually. Physical fitness is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. And uh, that's why we are here tonight, to remain connected in God so that obedience can become easier and easier for us. Dr. John, take a few minutes, uh, maybe one or two, to let us know what is coming up this coming Friday, Dr. John. What are we looking up to on Friday? Uh, thanks so much, David. And yes, that verse is 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, where, where Paul is talking about the, the importance of physical training, but, but more for spiritual training. And, and what we're going to talk about Friday is, is just how we do this. How do we overcome the uh, this this kind of declining flesh uh, situation that we all notice? You know, we all see that we're aging, and we all see that we're we're changing over time. How do we look at that in a positive sense, as opposed to, "Hey, I, this is a problem." 
And I, and I would say um, we have to have a perspective that the transformation that is occurring is something that is going to lead to a metamorphosis. So in other words, we may be caterpillars at this point, but we're going to be butterflies. And uh, that's what we're, we're going to be thinking about and looking about because it's, it's really when we get through this Friday session and we talk about how it is the spirit that defeats the flesh and it's the spirit in us that meets this righteous requirement of the law that really gives us the freedom to do exactly what Paul was talking about there. Uh, what Paul says is the life that I live in the flesh, I live by this spirit of Christ, by Christ himself who dwells within. And that is a, a, is a joyous experience. And, uh, and I think, you know, I'm anxious to, to talk to your listeners again on Friday. And uh, hopefully we'll have more time for questions uh, to go from there. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, I cannot say thank you enough, Dr. John. Why? Because every minute you're with us is of great, great value uh, to us. Let me remind the listeners to check out cabindivos.com and please subscribe using your email address so that you can be able to receive updates in your inbox. Can I also say that uh, one of the things that is going to be interesting is I am putting together a survey that I'm going to send people in their inboxes. And the, the advantage of me having your email address is you're going to get a chance, think of it as a buffet, where you're able to pick and say, this is how I would like Cabin Divorce to look like in the year 2022. We want to hear from you. We will flip the mic in this way and just listen and, and get to hear some of the things you'd like us to cover. Uh, coming next year. And that's really going to be one of the things I'm going to be asking those who have left their email addresses uh, with us by going to cabindivos.com and click subscribe, put your name in and your email address so you can be able to get additional content. But I'm going to be sending out a survey where you can be able to decide how you'd like Cabin Divorce to look like. Friday, we are having Dr. John Buck with us here at 9 p.m. East African time. But I think on Monday, we're expecting a very, very good friend of mine who is a professional counselor, and she's going to be talking about the need for counseling. Sometimes we think only mad people need counseling. Only those who uh, are the verge of breaking down need counseling. And we forget that we have the wonderful counselor, which is the work of the Holy Spirit daily working in our lives. And how can we allow other people to be able to be used by God in our lives to constantly give us wisdom and counsel as it comes from God's word. That is called biblical counseling. Coming up on Monday, only on Cabin Divos. Allow me at this point in time to say thank you and thank you so much uh, for joining us. Some of you have initials for names. Some of you have passwords for names. But I can see Victor, there's PBG23B58D6NZD. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really, really appreciate you. Ahumza, this should be, I think, Emily. Jenny is back. Thank you. JP, it's been a very, very long time. There's a meeting coming up. 
I think December, JP, do not miss, do not miss. Kato Victor, thank you. Trina, thank you so much. And Esther, this is Esther Balo, I think, 96. Thank you so much for being here with us. And JJ, I believe from South Africa, is also here with us. Guys, I'm really glad that you came. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, you, you, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.